Hey, I'm Brant. And I'm John. Got a question for you. Are you done with routine religion? Are you bored with lifeless faith or ready to give up on God? We've talked to way too many people who are either leaving the faith because of how stiff and cold some people make it feel, or they're really hesitant to start following Jesus because of the lives of other Christians. We think it's time that a different narrative was heard. Some people think following Jesus is boring or lifeless. We disagree. In fact, this podcast is about helping you follow Jesus with confidence and enthusiasm. Because following Jesus doesn't suck. Well, hey everyone. Welcome to the Following Jesus Doesn't Suck podcast. Um, We're really excited that you've checked this podcast out. And we hope that if you stick around, you're going to develop the tools and the the know-how to walk with Jesus confidently and how that actually produces confidence in the rest of your life. Uh, So thanks for joining us for Season 1 and Episode 1. Before we get started, though, I want to introduce the hosts of this podcast. First of all, uh, with us we have John Jones. Hey guys, this is John, and I was uh, born and raised in Indiana and eventually found my way to Virginia where I attended Liberty University, I got my bachelor's degree in religion with a focus in biblical studies and then went on for my master's degree in divinity. Now I'm living up here in northern Michigan and I'm currently the associate campus pastor for Lansing Community Church. Like I said, my name is Brant and I'm actually from northern Michigan, uh, Walloon Lake specifically, and uh, I wound up going to Moody Bible Institute down in Chicago. And then I continued on there for seminary, got my uh, undergrad and seminary degrees both in pastoral studies and congregational leadership. Currently, I serve as the youth and young adults and online campus pastor at Walloon Lake Community Church, which I love it. And uh, anyways, we're really excited to jump into season one of the following Jesus Doesn't Suck podcast. And uh, we're going to have a conversation this whole season, about the idea of confidence. In fact, we're calling this season Holy Swag. Uh, And the reason I want to call this season Holy Swag uh, is for this reason. I remember when I was in high school, it was my freshman year of high school, and I was going to a small private school, and we had a co-ed soccer team, and (laughs) I quickly found out how little swag I actually had. I'll never forget this moment. I wasn't even a uh, wasn't even fully started my freshman year yet. I was on the soccer team, and it was about August, so we hadn't even started classes yet, and I hadn't even started going to the school yet. I was going to start in my freshman year, but I tried out for the soccer team, and I was on the soccer team, and we were we were just doing some drills early on in the season, and we we're standing in line to take penalty kicks. And as we're standing in line, the kid behind me thought it would be hilarious to pull my pants down. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) what wound up happening, I'm waiting in line to take penalty kicks, and the guy behind me pulls my pants down. Well, what had also happened was one of my really good friends, her name was uh, Beth, and she was walking away, and she was coming back. And uh, as she was coming back from getting a drink of water, the guy behind me pulls my pants down and got more than just my pants. He oh, got oh man, 
He got everything, and um, let's just say I lost all confidence at all completely right there in that moment. Um, and what was the solution? We didn't talk about it ever. <laughs> uh, it was awkward until a few years later when she told me that she saw the whole thing and it was super embarrassing. Anyways, I, I'll just say I, I was hoping to start my freshman year of high school with some confidence, with some swagger, you know what I mean? But I totally lost it all right in that moment. So what what is swag? Is it is that what it is? It's just self-confidence? Is that... Well, yeah, like, it's the it's idea of, like, um, a bold self-assurance. Uh, I think the dictionary says the bold self-assurance of style or manner, right? And so I, I lost any sort of self-assurance or style or manner at all in that moment. <laughs> like, everybody knew what had happened. Um, and here's the thing, like, swag matters. Like, having a sense of bold confidence in what you're doing and who you are is a big deal because it influences how you walk, it influences how you talk, it influences how you think. You know, and I think more than that, it influences the things that you attempt, like the courage you have to stand for things that matter and the boldness to do great things. And, you know, without this sense of swag, without this sense of bold confidence in who you are, you often settle for less than what you're capable of. That's, that's what I've discovered. You often settle for less than what you're capable of. And I, I really believe, for everyone listening right now, God designed you to do great things for him. But you need a God-inspired confidence, a holy swag, to go after those things with everything that's in you. I think that's a, that's a feeling that we all can relate to, that, uh, that idea of settling for less. Um, I think I can think of a lot of times, uh, especially in my younger years, where I think it's more common to struggle with things like confidence, that uh, I could just think of all kinds of things that maybe I would have tried out for, maybe I would have pursued, maybe I would have uh, done if I had felt a little bit more confident in those younger years of my life. Yeah, exactly. And and holy swag, holy swag is all about having an unshakable confidence, not only in just who you are and just like liking yourself a lot, um, but holy swag is about having an unshakable confidence in the purpose God gave you and the grace of God in your life that enables you to accomplish it. So that's what we're going to be talking about this whole season is this idea of holy swag. And uh, in order to kind of get a framework for what that looks like in our lives, we're going to camp out in the text of 1 John chapter 3. I really think this brings up this idea really, really well. Um, just about what God says about how we can have holy swag and how that's going to supercharge our lives and change the world around you. But here's the thing. You've already begun to experience how crazy and turbulent and unpredictable life can be. Yeah, I mean, 2020 has been a decade, amen? Amen. Right, you've got busier schedules, you've got more work to do, you've got extra digital responsibilities, more choices to make, uh, more pressure and expectations on you from your culture uh, of what to believe and, and who to side with, and there's an, an election this year, and right, people are asking you how you're handling this new season of life probably, and and you're like apparently supposed to come up with some sort of answer that's like amazing and wise and put together. Essentially, you're trying to figure out this whole life 
and faith and following Jesus stuff even when churches are partially or totally shut down. You've got physical interaction that's limited. You've got more on your plate than ever before. And you're in a new chapter of life that came at you way too fast. And it's not really, there's really uh, a playbook to look at for this new and unpredictable world. I mean, in my own heart, in my own mind, at times I've been just like, ah! And <laughs> because of this journey can just feel like, uh, you're riding a roller coaster backwards, upside down, dangling over a cliff. Um, you know what, to be honest, your faith can feel like that too. Life comes at you like a tidal wave and it is sometimes really hard to know how to navigate it well. You know, in, in life it's super easy to lose your confidence. To feel like I did that, that first practice of my soccer season you know, exposed and embarrassed and and maybe even hilarious to everyone else looking around at you. So the question I want to wrestle with today in this episode is how do you win at life and in your faith and how do you find the confidence to succeed? So let's talk about it. First off, let's uh, let's talk about a, just a basic definition of what confidence is. Uh, confidence, it's the belief that you can rely on someone or something. And uh, according to the dictionary, there's different types of confidence. There's the the state of feeling certain about the truth of something or someone. Uh, a feel, and then there's also a feeling of self assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities and qualities. In other words, there's there's two types of confidence, right? Confidence in something outside of yourself, and confidence in something inside of you. And we want to help you see that having confidence in Jesus, so something outside yourself, someone outside yourself, gives you crazy confidence in who you are, which is something inside yourself. Yeah, I love that. So, like, if we can harness the right perspective, we're going to unlock something in our lives that will revolutionize, really, how we live. Life's going to become more exciting and not terrifying. Like, when you have confidence in everything that you're going for and what you've been called to do, um, life becomes exciting. It's not something that you want to hide under the covers about. So believing that God loves us and wants to use us really does give us confidence in life. In other words, and you can write this down, um, heavenly grace inspires holy swag. Right? Heavenly grace inspires holy swag. And so I want to just open up uh, the text of scripture that we're going to dive into right now, which is 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. And really, a few verses that we're going to cover over the next few episodes are great to put to memory. Um, but 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, We know that love, what real love is, because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. I'll read that again. We know what real love is. Why? Because Jesus showed us. How did he show us? He gave up his life for us. So as a result, we should do the same. The main idea I really want to land on in this verse is that heavenly grace inspires holy swag. Okay, so heavenly grace inspires holy swag. Uh, what's, what's that mean? Yeah, um, basically because God's life-changing grace has been poured out to us, right, when Jesus died on the cross and he did that for us, forgave us of our sins, 
gave us the opportunity to be made right with God. We've been justified. We've been um, forgiven of our sin and been given a new life. God has poured out his grace to us abundantly. And as a result, it inspires a confidence to live um, like Jesus lived toward other people. We're given heavenly inspiration to be like God to others. He laid down his life for us. We lay down our lives for others. He left his riches behind, so we have no regard for ours. Jesus was motivated by love, so we move because of love toward others who need it. And in this movement toward others, we really begin to resemble the eternally glorious God to a world that really needs his love. Because of his grace, we live with a holy swag that supercharges our lives and changes the world around us. All right, so how do I get supercharged like that? It's it's not like I can just uh, manufacture it when I want it. I can't just like, oh, I feel this heavenly grace, and so how can I get that, that holy swag going on, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I And I definitely resonate with that question. I feel that at times where I'm like, come on, I just want to be better, right? I want to <laughs> just make it happen. Um, and, and no, you can't just manufacture it. Here's the thing. You need to be constantly plugging into it. Mm. Like right now, my phone is at 93% battery. Uh, towards the end of today, I guarantee you, I'm going to be uh, be careful about what I do on my phone because it's going to start getting closer down to 2% battery and 1% battery. How do I fill up on that? I can't just like will it. I have to plug my phone into an outlet. I got to constantly be plugging the phone into it, right? The um, electricity is already there. It's available. It's it's flowing um, to the point of the outlet, but it starts flowing through my phone the second I plug it into the outlet. And I think the idea is very similar when it comes to life and faith with this idea of like heavenly grace. It's the heavenly grace is already flowing towards you in your life. It's already available to you, but it starts flowing into you and through you when you are plugged into the source of that, which is Jesus Christ himself. Okay, so I that's a great analogy. I get that. So I can plug into it like my phone my phone plugs into an outlet. Um in the heavenly grace, it's always there, ready for me to plug into. How do I do that? How do I plug into the heavenly grace? Yeah, I want to give you uh, two different ways to get supercharged by God's grace in your life, okay? Two different ways. The first one is to really be focused on, um, and I think God God has two ways that primarily that he is um, pointing us towards his grace. And not, the first one is a thing called general revelation, being amazed by the things that God does that is um, visible and available for anyone on planet earth to to see. Um, for example, uh, let me give you a, a um, an illustration to help you understand. Night bugs, right? Lightning bugs, bugs that fly around at night, any kind of bug that's at night, they're always spending their time looking for sources of light, which is why you always see bugs flying around lamps and fires and flashlights. It's annoying on my porch at night when I'm like trying to get in the house and the bugs just want the light. They're attracted to the splendor of the light. They're, and I think we, on a spiritual level, we are much like these bugs. We naturally spend time around the things that have captured our attention and our hearts. 
which is amazing. We will gravitate towards the thing that has captured our attention. So, in other words, God has given us so many ways um, to, to see what he's done. Just in general revelation, when you look outside, like for example, the stars, right at night, if you, if you just, anyone can see this, because maybe unless you're living in a big city, then you have to go to the country to see the stars. But um, God does, Psalm 33, 6 says, for the, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. God is a star breather. And when we look outside at just the things that God has done, it's like, wow, that's amazing. He's in the business of doing things that would have been impossible without him, which is another way of saying a miracle. When, when you open your eyes and just see things every day around you that are impossible without the sovereign hand of God, I mean, just take the sun revolving, or the, the, the earth revolving around the sun, and the sun, um, from our perspective, rising every morning and setting every night, and the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. Um, that's obviously really amazing and beautiful, but it's actually impossible without God. Like God holds gravity together. Gravity is a thing that keeps us at a similar um, distance from the sun, and, and we're re revolving around it in when I look at stuff like that and I go, oh my word, that would be impossible without God. I can also say accurately, that's a miracle. And when you open your eyes to see these things every day, you're going to be amazed. So I guess my encouragement is, you know, be fascinated with God's everyday miracles that are available for anyone to see. Um, that's called general revelation. And when you're focused on that, when you're focused on the things that God is doing every day that anyone can see, you start to uh, get supercharged with the grace of God. For example, God's the great architect of our solar system and everything that exists. Right? He designed the world and the universe to be a place for us to live. But it's also designed not only for that, but also to reveal how wonderful God is. We learn a lot about God. A lot about truth just by looking at the creation around us, the created cosmos and the order that we live in. For example, the sun is one of the billions of stars visible to the human eye that God breathed out. Uh, to The sun uh, is 93 million miles away. It's a perfect distance, right? If we're closer to the sun, we would burn. If we were further from the sun, we'd <laughs> freeze. Um, and God holds that perfectly in balance. Just to give a little bit of context, for example, um, there's a five-mile track that I like to run. Um, and in order to run 93 million miles, I would have to run that five-mile track 500 times a day, every day, for 509 and a half years. That's, 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 that's far. That's, <laughs> that's really far away. <laughs> that's depressingly far away if you're running that, right? Um, and it's only one part of our solar system, which is only one part of our galaxy, which is only one part of a cluster of galaxies, which is only one part of the tiny part of the universe that we even know about. Like, God's creation is humongous. And, and God's even bigger. So, God is so big and powerful that he was able to create everything in existence just with the breath of his mouth. Like, he didn't even lift a finger, he just said it, and it happened. 
Wow, man. And that really does show you how big and amazing and awesome God is. That idea of, of general revelation where you can just look out at the creation and see its beauty and know that God is beauty and, mm-hmm. and see its majesty at the, with all the stars in the sky and, and see that God is majesty. And, uh, you know, contrary to what, what many might say today, science doesn't really compete with Christianity. Uh, for an accurate picture of reality, we, we got to go to Christianity because science fails to give that accurate picture. I w- well, and even just to yeah. interrupt you there, yeah. I would say one is not complete without the other, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Science, by definition, is designed to give us um, understanding about the observable reality. And, and our faith is designed to connect us to, in many ways, things that we can't see. And both together, they don't compete with each other. Both together give us an accurate picture of reality, which is a combination of those. That's right. They, they work together to, uh, to reveal the glory and the greatness and the grandeur of our great God. Uh, for instance, by knowing that there are 60,000 varieties of beetles, we learn God likes variety and color. Uh, by seeing a volcano, a tidal wave, or an earthquake, we learn that God is powerful. And uh, from the, the delicately balanced environment, we can also observe things like, like that God is incredibly organized. Uh, there is nothing random about God's creation. There's nothing random about God. Everything he does has a loving and sovereign reason. I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And I, I hope that Christians understand that science can be a really amazing tool to help us understand what God has created. Absolutely. Um, so I guess my first thing is, and I try to do this, is just to be amazed every day. And it sounds so simple, but um, this phrase, this idea of being forever fascinated, to be amazed all the time. You know, I just want to encourage you, one of the ways to supercharge, um, be, be plugged into the supercharging grace of God is choosing to be amazed with what God has done. Open your mind to be blown by everything he does. And doesn't that just speak to the uh, the busyness of our lives? I mean, uh, you can't be amazed every day if you're constantly running around and, and you're feeling, filling your schedule with things that distract you from the beauty that truly is around you. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's one way to, you know, plug in and get supercharged by God's grace in your life. Another way to do that is to focus uh, more on special revelation. Now, I mentioned previously, if you can focus on general revelation, there's a lot that it can show you about God and just blow your mind. But to focus on special revelation is to focus on the the gift of God's grace through Jesus um, that is specific to uh, those who follow Jesus and those who have been called into God's family. Uh, for example, you know, let me tell you a story. I have an adorable little dog. His name is Chester. Uh, Chester is a, he's a mutt. He's a, um, a combo of a Yorkie and a Chihuahua and a Shih Tzu and a Beagle. He's a 100% little dog on the outside, 100% big dog on the inside. Like he's, he's fun, <laughs> he's cute and confident, and it's really funny because when he's with me at the dog park, he will actually let every other dog know that that's his territory. Right, he, I remember one time he was sitting under the chair. That's how small he is. He was sitting under the chair that I was sitting on. 
talking to another dog owner and all the dogs were playing and the other dog owner's dog came up to my chair and Chester's underneath my chair just sounding off at him. Right? Just letting him know, don't mess with my master. It's like, and <laughs> the ironic thing was Chester is like a tenth of the size of that other dog. Like the other dog, if he sat on him, would squish Chester. And that, so I did something. I stood up from the chair and I walked out into the middle of the field where there was nothing that Chester could hide behind. And all of a sudden, strangely enough, he was super uh, friendly. He wasn't <laughs> mouthing off at any dogs. Um, and here's the thing. He knows that I'm in charge. He knows that I love him. He knows that I'm actually the one sitting on the chair under which he is hiding. And because of that, because of his confidence in his position with me, he has this assurance that he has developed to the point of just hilarious boldness that lets his voice any, be heard anywhere he is. Like, he'll sound off, even if he's the dog uh, that is, you know, the smallest in the yard. If he's barking at a dog five times bigger, ten times bigger, whatever. Like, he'll just, like, sound off when he has that confidence with me around him. And when we feel the confidence of knowing that God is for us, that God is with us, and that God loves us, there's a similar boldness and excitement that rises up in life. Like, you know, it's one thing to be amazed by God, but it's on a totally new level to completely know he's for you. Right? Romans 8.31 says that. If God is for us, who can be against us? Which is amazing. You have this sense of like bold confidence, this holy swag, when you know that God is on your side. So I want to say this. To get supercharged with the grace of God and to transition not only just from seeing the amazing things God has done, but what he's specifically done for you, it's one thing to be lost in wonder at your star breather, this God who created this cosmos that is amazing and huge and, and vast and beyond us. It's a totally different thing. It's a totally new thing to fall in love with the one who bore your sin. Right? I love this from Colossians chapter 1, um, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses. This is Colossians 1, 16 and Colossians 1, 19 through 20. Listen to this. For through him, that's Jesus, for through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can't see and things we can see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. He existed before everything else and he holds all creation together. In other words, when God was breathing stars, Colossians 1 gives us the perspective shift that that was actually Jesus. The person of the Trinity of the Godhead creating the stars and breathing them out was the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, Colossians 1, 19 and 20, for God in all of his fullness, like every single bit of God, all of the fullness of God was pleased to live in Jesus. And through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Translation, the star breather became your sin bearer. The star breather was the one who was also put on the cross to bear the sin for all of humanity. 
end. For those who have received the forgiveness of sins offered only by Jesus, let me just, like, let me help you out here. Like, here are a few things that are true about you. Uh, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, this is something that does not suck at all. This is amazing. For those of you who have received the forgiveness of sins from Jesus, you have been made worthy even if you don't feel like it. 1 Peter 2.9 You're his own special possession, Deuteronomy 14.2 and 1 Peter 2.9 You've been chosen, handpicked by God, the one who created the universe, right? Jeremiah 1.5, Ephesians 1.3-4 You're treasured, Deuteronomy 7.6, Deuteronomy 14.2, Deuteronomy 26.18 You're not replaceable, 1 Thessalonians 1.4 You're loved entirely, 1 John 4.19 1 John 3.16, Romans 5.8, Romans 8.35-39. You're worth dying for, Romans 5.7-9. You've been forgiven for everything you've done and ever have yet to do. Let me say that again, because that matters. You've been forgiven for everything you've ever done and still have yet to do. Ephesians 1.7, 1 John 1.9, Romans 8.1, Romans 8.33-39. Uh, not only that, you're God's child. 1 John 3.1, Galatians 3.26. You're secure for all of eternity. 2 Corinthians 1.22. You've been set free. Romans 6.18, Galatians 5.1. You're, uh, you're uniquely special to God. Isaiah 43.4. You've been set apart for God's divine mission. John 15.16, 1 Peter 2.9. Like, this is who you are because of the grace of God that's specially placed into your life through Jesus. And that's amazing because because that's who you are. And you might need to you might need to rewind and re go through those, look up those verses because uh, this is something that we really need to get ingrained into our minds and let it flow into our hearts because this is who you are. When you go to work in the morning, you're you should be walking in with these truths running through your mind. This is who you are when you're when you're out to eat with that coworker or when you're out to eat with that friend who needs encouragement. That's who you are, and this is who you are uh, when when you're talking to that best friend who's going through a tough time. Um, these this is who you are, and so we need to be constantly reflecting on these truths so that they sink into our hearts and they help us to actually live. With, with the holy swag. Yeah. So can I encourage you? Can we together encourage you to let His grace inspire confidence in your life? It really does. When we feel the confidence of knowing that God is for us, that God loves us, there is a holy swag that rises up in our lives. You can start this week off with confidence, knowing this, that heavenly grace, it inspires holy swag. Well, hey, thanks for listening today. We know that there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and you chose to listen to this one, and that really makes a big difference to us. That matters a lot, so thank you. We want to let you know that you can always head to JesusDoesn'tSuck.com to connect with us, view the show notes, and get links to anything we mentioned in this episode. Finally, if you've made it this far, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference as we want to help you follow Jesus with confidence and enthusiasm. Because remember, following Jesus doesn't suck.